0: Hello and welcome to Fintech Unfiltered, the podcast from Bank Innovation and INV Fintech. Bank Innovation is an industry-leading blog and INV Fintech is its sister accelerator. Today we're joined by Seychelle Watson, Executive Vice President and Head of Wholesale Internet Solutions at Wells Fargo. She leads digital channels for wholesale banking and is responsible for supporting more than 90 distinct business applications and guiding the strategic direction of Wells Fargo's Commercial Electronic Office or CEO Customer Portal, which we we'll are want to hear more about a little bit later. Uh, welcome, facial.
1: Hi, Phil. Nice meeting you.
0: You as well. So uh, you shifted from working on the customer experience in your, your earlier days at Wells Fargo to working on more back-end operations. Was that a, a hard transition to make?
1: Uh, no, absolutely not. Actually, in my current job, I get the pleasure of doing both. Um, one of the reasons is because, uh, in the olden days of technology, we were uh, very much tied to our um, traditional systems of record. Uh, but over the last 15 years uh, that I've been working in technology and banking, uh, we have created great middle, you know, middle um, middleware and services. Um, mm-hmm. so that we can actually have more flexibility on the front end. So a lot of the work that I've been doing in the last six, seven years have been front end focused. So on our online channels, uh, mobile channels, uh, you know, I've kicked off the mobile channel uh, years ago, even before the uh, iPhones for the retail banking site, and uh, we definitely grew our CEO mobile functionality, our commercial electronic office functionality over the last five years as well. Um, And one of the reasons why we were able to do this is because we were modernizing our services architecture. Um, Mm -hmm. And with that, the next natural step was for us to say, um, can we also utilize our um, technology to um, be where our customers are? So don't always expect them to come to our online banking or mobile banking channels to interact with us to do their payments or see their reporting or manage the risk that they have in their companies. But instead, can we put our code, our functionality, into their applications, their front ends, for them to embed the banking services that we offer in their experience and their customers' experiences? So with that, in 2016, we uh, founded our um, API gateway, Wells Fargo Gateway, Mm -hmm. which is an enterprise-wide gateway that allows us to partner with uh, customers or partners um, whether that be a fintech company or a corporate customer, to be able to offer our solutions uh, in their environment through standard APIs that are JSON-based.
0: Got you. And um, before we get into, uh, into the APIs more, could you explain a bit about the, the CEO portal and, and what's done there?
1: Oh, absolutely. So uh, CEO portal is our uh, major front end for customer experiences for all our business and corporate customers. Uh, We have uh, about 90 different applications, and the typical areas are payments, uh, cash management, uh, such as wires or ACH, uh, a lot of risk mitigation and risk controls that customers can do to manage their disbursements, um, invoice management, uh, as well as some credit applications where they can view their credits, do rate resets, get their statements, a lot of reporting for them to do financial analysis and cash flow forecasting, um, as well as applications in all sorts of businesses from, you know, trust to uh, investments to derivatives and securities. So it's I a think wide so – I it gathers, gathers it all that is, stuff into one, one spot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the way it works well for our customers is because it's entitlement-based. And so we will give one set of credentials for a company, and the company would distribute these credentials across the right user for the right service. So if you're an accounts payable clerk in a large corporation, you may have access to set up wire templates, for example, Uh, but the treasurer uh, may be the only one who can do the wire approvals, so he would have a different setup for just seeing the wire approvals. So it's a highly customizable single sign-on experience, that allows our customers to give entitlements to their uh, employees in the right way uh, to manage uh, anything from, you know, separation of duties to any security or fraud concerns that they may have.
0: I see. And so you mentioned briefly the kind of customers of Wells Fargo's APIs, that they could be fintechs, they could be uh, commercial customers, and I suppose they could be bank, uh, you know, banks that are customers of Wells Fargo. Could you explain a little bit um, about what the, I guess, the most frequent uses you're seeing of the, of the uh, APIs right now?
1: Sure, and I'll kind of give an overview of the uh, APIs as well. Uh, so as I said, we started the API channel, uh, our Wealth Fargo gateway, in 2016, end of, uh, end, of, end of 2016 in September. And since then, we have 22 different API use cases that we have provided uh, for use for our customers. And to be able to utilize these, you need to be a developer that's working for one of our customers, and we give you secure credentials to be able to access the environment to then uh, view the documentation and be able to see uh, the code that is required to uh, implement and some implementation tips to be able to take these APIs that are standard and embed them into uh, your own environment, so our company's, the customer's environment. So there's 22 different uh, use cases that we have right now, and the number is growing kind of every month. In mm-hmm. terms of you know, what they are, we think of them in three different areas or segments of focus. Uh, one of them is data services, um, and the best example there is one uh, that aggregates account information for our consumer customers. One of our partnerships that we announced last year was with Intuit, So this enables our consumer customers who are currently online banking users to be able to permit access for an application such as Mint to get the right level of data from Wells Fargo without having to scrape the online banking site, Uh, because in order to give rights for scraping. A uh, consumer typically will give their online banking credentials, which we don't believe is very secure in terms of a behavior, so we'd like to discourage that. But we would like to allow partners that we have vetted who happen to be customers of Wells Fargo to be able to have access to accurate data about our mutual customers so that it impacts you know, our ability to give a good service offering to our consumers. In this case, online banking customers who would like to see aggregated account information so they could do better financial planning and do it wherever they want. They could do this at Wells Fargo, but if they choose to do it at a partner of ours, such as Mint, then they could do Mm -hmm. it there as well. So those are data services APIs, and basically it's about us passing a data that is unique to us um, to our customers But if it happens to be consumer data or customer data, there needs to be consent before that data can be sent over, because obviously, privacy is as important for us as security. The second area of focus for us is payments. So um, typically, our customers are treasury management customers, cash management customers of Wells Fargo on the corporate or commercial banking side, and they may be getting either payment services from us, like foreign exchange, wires, or ACH, um, or... Um, coming with us towards the real-time payments horizon. So we have new payment types right now, including push-to-card, which allows a customer to make um, real-time payments to the debit card number of a consumer, for example, um, utilizing some of the card rails. And being able to do these types of payments requires us to not have a kind of a manual, use-our-website type model, but instead having an electronic model that's facilitated with an API that's embedded in their interface. Um, so good examples of payment APIs would be Push to Card um, or ACH where basically the payment ability is at the portal of the customer. Uh, so it could be in their uh, customer facing app or in their CRM system that they use in their call center to service the customer, etc. And the final area for our APIs is actually for Wells Fargo to have partnerships to help our consumers or customers open accounts with us. Uh, We have a partnership like that in our home lending group uh, where we want to make it super easy for prospects and existing customers to uh, apply for a mortgage online at Wells Fargo. And we have uh, vendor partnerships in the fintech uh, space to be able to facilitate that as a very seamless interaction. And for that interaction to be seamless, there's a bit of data that we like to collect, um, either from online banking itself or from third-party resources to be able to validate the customer's identity, uh, the ownership, um, their tax information, et cetera. And for that, we have a group of APIs called Account Acquisition APIs that allows us to work with information like that with the goal of obviously then using the information uh, to help our customers open accounts in a more seamless manner at Wells Fargo.
0: And so what are the security protocols around accessing these APIs? I would imagine not just anybody can can come in and, you know, get access and, and start, start playing around with them.
1: That's a great question. Um, we believe in opening up the bank and that's exactly why we created the Wells Fargo Gateway. So we want our code to be visible. But obviously, as a bank, we have a lot of responsibilities around privacy and security, privacy of the data that we hold dear for our customers, and obviously the security of the network and the banking systems overall. So for that reason, unlike a Google Maps API, which is available to all publicly, the kinds of APIs that we offer uh, require to log in. And to log in, you need to be a developer who is working at a Wells Fargo customer today. Uh, And we vet the relationship and we vet the business case, um, and so we make sure that you are a credible party that will start a partnership with us. And then the way that we pass the credentials, the way that we will um, protect the information online is standard and similar to how we do it for our commercial electronic office channel, for example – where we have trillions of dollars of payments passing through every year, and obviously security is really important to us. So we'll try to look for any way that we can to make sure that we're authenticating the right user, and we're utilizing a lot of uh, back-end technology to ensure that um, the type of use case that is uh, driven out of the sessions and the type of traffic that we see in our gateway is the traffic that we expect, and it's coming from the sources that we think that it should be coming from. So there's a lot of back-end monitoring um, with, you know, credential uh, controls on the front-end for our customers.
0: Right, got it. The consultant Ron Chevlin said recently that most customers want open banking until they learn what it actually is. What do you think open banking means to uh, Wells Fargo customers today? Do people really have an idea of it?
1: Uh, I think on the on the consumer side, the concept is to be able to have the customer feel in control, um, which means that they need to know where their banking information is, where their account information is, and understand, you know, where their money is. Right? Have you, have I received that payment? How much money can I spend till the end of the month? And the more we can put our consumers in control, um, the better they are in managing their finances. So for that, account aggregation could be an opportunity for somebody to say, I'd love to see everything in one place. Um, But some customers value that a lot and others don't. Um, Open banking would facilitate that. But as I said, open banking also needs to have standards and rules because um, it's the weak link that gets uh, manipulated by the fraudsters. And fraud is obviously a big threat for us um, in any channel. um, Mm -hmm. And... It's something that we try to prevent against. Um, but I think as banks work together um, and share more information, we can make banking a safer environment as long as we have um, controls around you know, who is in that network, who is in the system, and what are the rules of engagement for each one of us.
0: Right. I want to talk a little bit more generally about Wells' innovation strategy. Um, so there was a lot of anxiety across the banking world over the past few years about fintech companies coming in and, you know, stealing the customer experience or something like that. But as we've seen, the vast majority of these companies are really struggling to get any kind of customer base, especially the so-called neobanks. So to what extent do you think fintech startups are really influencing the industry today? Or or more specifically, you know, how how are outside companies influencing innovation inside uh, Wells' own innovation center inside its walls.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, innovation is very important for us, um, not for the sake of the technology, but because we know that we can always improve our customers' experience. And if we don't do it, who will, right? And so mm-hmm. innovation has been really important for us as long as it's driven by customer requirements, inspired by our customers' needs. And as we look across the industry, one of the things we noticed early on is that there are a lot of smart people inside the bank, but also outside the bank. And we wanted to leverage the smarts of folks outside the bank, especially because uh, with venture funding, they were uh, able to iterate uh, various different value propositions or customer experiences much faster than we could uh, inside our own environment. So we actually like looking at what the fintechs are doing out there uh, for a couple of reasons. One of them, as I mentioned, is the talent and the brilliance of the thinking. The second is it's being able to test something, um, even if they have you know, 2,000 customers only, just to see if the model works and what that model would mean if it's something that we adopted for our customer base, which is obviously much larger. Um, and then the third is obviously the idea of partnerships. So to facilitate partnerships, we actually said it's not going to happen, you know, by itself, right, just because it takes a different business process to engage in partnerships. So we invested in a few different areas. So we have an innovation group that's enterprise-wide that is um, our kind of uh, eyes and ears to the external world, bringing a lot of ideas in. Uh, They are constantly out there in the market looking for small startups, so these are the, you know, two ladies in a garage situation, right? And they look at the small startups to see, is there an opportunity? Is there a service, an idea, an algorithm, uh, a piece of code, uh, some intellectual property, basically, that is highly useful for a bank like ours? But the company is so small that if we acquire them, they're going to be eaten up, right, with the bureaucracy of a bank. Um, And if we don't help them, that they probably won't know their way around in going through the security reviews and the requirements for a large financial institution like ours. So the accelerator program is one that our innovation uh, group manages, which allows these very small startups to come in. We make a minimal investment in them financially, but most of our investment is actually in the um, time and brainpower of uh, executives within the bank to see whether we have partnership opportunities, whether we can be their customers for whatever they're offering. Uh, I personally, in my groups for CEO Mobile, have worked with some of these accelerator companies. Um, Some of the ideas end up um, becoming pilots. Others end up becoming part of our product line. um, And then, you know, we then see the company graduate out of the accelerator program successfully. So we've been running this program for a few years right now, and we have... um, bunch of graduates in the program, and and we have a very healthy pipeline. Um, We've had 17 startups that have been uh, part of the Startup Accelerator program to date, and we'll probably have more announced soon um, as we go through the different cycles. So that's on the smaller end of accelerating um, growth in the fintech business uh, and creating new partnerships. We also have a lot of fintechs that are our Uh, banking customers. So we either provide Mm -hmm. loans for them or we can provide cash management services for them. And so we're also engaging with them on a selective basis to figure out what kind of a relationship would work for us, right? Is there an area where they have a great product, um, but they don't have the number of customers they need to come to scale, um, where we have the customer base with interest in their product, and we could be the channel, the partner that makes them um, grow exponentially, So that's another area that we're eager to explore, and uh, selectively we have also signed up partnerships there to add to our products and services for our customers, be it on the consumer side, wealth management side, or the commercial banking side.
0: Right. Um, Seychelle, last question. Where do you see APIs taking banking uh, in the next several years?
1: A couple important areas, it's all about on-demand information, on-demand payments. Uh, we used to say real-time. It's not always real-time that people need. They just need it in the past. So if you're purchasing something, you'd like the payment information to be there. If you're planning to buy a car, you'd like to know how much you qualify for instantly within that experience, not by first having to go to a bank website. So more and more, we want our digital experience in Wells Fargo to be where our customers are. So if they're shopping for a car, shopping for groceries, uh, you know, being able to check their you know, insurance claim status uh, with whatever provider they're working with, we want the payment information, the banking information to be there for them. Uh, so we are very happy to expand our digital reach to go way beyond where it is today, which is in you know, online banking and mobile banking. So I feel like APIs will make the payments much more seamless for customers. Uh, They'll be kind of the salt in the recipe, uh, hopefully, and it'll make things taste better and work better for the customer experience.
0: (laughs) Seychelle, thank you so much. I appreciate your time today.
1: You're welcome.
0: All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to FinTech Unfiltered. See you next time.
1: Thank you, Phil.